0: This is Shiff Run Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews.
1: It's Shifrun Stop, it's episode 37, and we're lucky enough to have with us today Ivo Gornley, who is a documentary filmmaker, a bespectacled man... <laughs> Can we call you a thinker?
0: A cultural influencer?
2: Not particularly good at thinking, I don't think. (laughs) think um, I'd like to be a better thinker and writer, but mainly I think I spend my time trying to get on with things.
1: Is it fair to describe you as a documentary filmmaker? Is that how you would think of yourself?
2: Filmmaking is what I seem to do the most of. Generally, I do describe myself as a filmmaker, but I think I'm operating um, between two different worlds, one of which a lot of my time I'm spending working on public services and getting people more involved in the design and delivery of um, our public services, which I do um, at Think Public, um, mm-hmm. which is a um, you know, company set up um, to do that. So we're working a lot with the NHS, a lot with local government. Um, so I'm very interested in this idea of participation, which I've explored a lot um, in my filmmaking um, but it's also something that I'm trying to sort of do in a more, in a more practical way. Mm.
1: And the, f- the first film of yours that I um, saw, which I guess was about a year ago, um, I, I went to see a screening of Us Now, which brought those themes together because it was, it was all about sort of participative do- democracy. What was your route into, into m- making that film in the first place?
2: Um, for, for some reason, I've been thinking for a very long time um, of that our democracy wasn't that democratic um i liked the idea of participation i liked the idea that you know we, we all would have a say and it just seemed very limited sense of the word that we would only be able to exercise that right um in a direct way once every four or five years and so i thought for a long time about you know ways in which computers could get involved in that and i didn't think it was a Real possibility until I saw Wikipedia and got very excited that people with opposing opinions could work together and produce something that was fantastically valuable and accurate. And then after that, I um, started looking into it more, finding finding more and more of these very very exciting examples of organisations that seemed to work in a completely different way to the to the hierarchies that I'd seen working for the rest of my life. I think there was also um, a sense that there was a very exciting. Ideology beneath all of this that wasn't part of the sort of, you know, uh, capitalism, communism sort of mm-hmm. debate that had seemed to dominate my education. So I think it was incredibly depressing. That, you know, at school, you're sort of taught communism. has some nice ideas behind it, but it totally failed mm-hmm. socialism even, as well. Um, but then you're growing up at the same time witnessing the horrendous failures of capitalism to look after people. Um, but you're not given anything with which to seriously question it. I mean, you can say, oh, it's not great, but you, you don't have anything to sort of fight it with, or you're a hippie, or you're mad. Mm-hmm. Um, so this seemed to be something that had elements of both. I mean, it had come out of technology. It had come out of our sort of crazy drive to use up all the world's oil resources and uh, you know use as much electricity as possible, and then suddenly we had these computers that could do this crazy thing which was actually incredibly democratic actually distributing all the world's information in a way that it had, you know never been done before it gave you know, more and more people access to this incredible wealth of knowledge and i was just you know, fascinated to find out what the hell that meant for our you know for in the end i suppose the big power structures that you mm. know rule our lives
0: when we spoke to adam curtis um very near the beginning when we started doing this podcast he was talking a lot about what he he'd probably call you a computer utopianist or something and he was saying that really you do need hierarchies and you need people to have more power than other people and that basically we're all trying to create this kind of big fragile network of equal power for everyone how would you respond to adam um in because it sounds like you're coming from the opposite position really um, if I, he I, was here. <laughs> yeah. I would fight. Well, I would, his argument for him. Yes, yeah. I'll be
2: Adam. <laughs> I, I think that would be a lot of fun.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> I think I probably agree that I'm a utopian of sorts. Us now relentlessly proposes that this is all a really great thing. We've got a lot to you know benefit from it. However, the point about sort of equality and that some people need to you know have more of a say than others. Mm. I agree with to an extent. I think people are always going to have more of a say than other people, but I think the way in which they qualify themselves to do that is what's changing. Um, Also, the transparency of that is changing. So at the moment, a lot of people who are very important, we don't even know what they have influence over. We don't even know the way in which decisions are made. Um, So what's starting to happen is that that's happening more and more in the open, which is very exciting. We're always going to have the case that some people have got you know terrible ideas, but mm-hmm. it's a great way to test those terrible ideas yeah. that they're allowed to say them to whoever will listen. Um, in the same way that you know people with fantastic ideas will probably start saying them to the people around them, and those ideas will spread and it will happen a bit more organically, rather than someone qualifying um, either by b- being very rich or attaining a certain qualification or a certain job, qualifying to be able to talk to everyone. And mm-hmm. um, that's actually more dangerous. It will always be down to, you know, the quality of your ideas, but also your ability to explain them. Um, So that does open up the doors a little bit to people who are better at communicating online or better at using the more sort of emotive methods of communication. But I don't think that
1: necessarily um, has to be a bad thing. Mm. I suppose you're an example of somebody who's communicating with a a wider audience than, you know, one One guy on his Facebook account. Um,
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting in this world that there still is this role for making things that are quite highly polished, quite sort of appealing to people's sense of awe, appealing to their emotions, appealing to their sort of um, sense of aesthetics. Mm. Um, So at the same time, the film is celebrating the everyday and everyone can make a video, that everyone can do. The the, the ability to sort of um, curate and direct people is as important as the ability for everyone to be able to do that um, producing so um, it's weird because I do have these sort of two parts of my life one of it my, my um, degree was in anthropology so it was very much the opposite of the way actually that Us Now is made which is very sort of propagandist almost. anthropology is about sitting there waiting allowing things to unfold really mm-hmm. not trying to um, put forward your, your own idea about what, what something might mean But I'm taking that approach a lot in public services in the the sort of work I do day-to-day. We we go in with uh, Think Public and we record people's day-to-day experiences of using public services. We've done a lot of work with um, housing and housing benefits. So we'll be recording people as they start to interact with the service, so Mm -hmm. people who might have all their belongings in their car waiting to to go into the office to find out if they're going to have someone to stay um, that night. So they're quite, quite emotive situations quite often, but the approach is, is very different. It's very much waiting and watching and not trying to introduce too much of your own argument or uh, interpretation of what that might mean. Mm-hmm. And keeping that rawness is actually very important for what the film is intended for, um, because the meaning of the film, we don't want to take ownership of. We want to hand back that, that raw um, insight back to the service, the people that are providing that service and the people who actually uh, that we've filmed, we show it back to them as a group. And we say, okay, what do you think about this? What's your interpretation of this? What does this mean for you? And then we encourage them to to work together to find solutions. But yeah, they're they're completely different approaches to, to using the medium.
1: Cities, okay. which is very difficult with sheep. Yeah. Actually, you want to be you on a long, a long game with the sheep where you're trading them. Really, you want a mm. sheep port. <laughs> you' <never, laughs> Played settlers, and you've got some cities around a very productive sheep field. Then you, mm. you need to be on that sheep port pretty quickly before the halfway through the end.
0: Interesting. It all make sense
1: once you get a copy it of sounds it.
0: Sounds like a, a very uh, sheep-based game. Yeah. But um, is speaking of Livingstone and Jackson, mm. is uh, is D and type gaming? collaborative or competitive? A bit of both, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So does it depend on who you're playing? or does it? If you're the dungeon master, you're kind of impartial in a way.
1: And how much is it playing a game and how much is it telling a story as yeah. a group? And how much
0: is it acting?
1: Oh. Mm. I've never really played Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, I feel like it? I've missed out.
0: Yeah.
1: And I kind of want to try it. Mm. I wonder whether we should arrange a D&D session.
0: We really should. Let's
1: do it. Okay. Anyone listening to this who just, whose voice? eyes lit up, <laughs> come and take part in our Dungeons and Dragons session. Also, tell us some of the rules that we need to know, like how many people should we be looking for here?
0: Tell us how to play. Exactly. <laughs> we don't know. Like,
1: your childhood, listener, was probably largely influenced and informed by Dungeons and Dragons, and, you know, I imagine that you kind of got quite into it. So tell us, what do we need to know to run a successful mm. um I don't know even what they're called a campaign is that the thing um, just a session a game
0: a, a game a round I don't know let's play a round of Dungeons and Dragons
1: <laughs> you can teach us but we'll I mean I'm happy to put some research in yeah. I'll even go and buy some uh, multi-sided dice hey or maybe Mike uh, would, would bring some. Mike on. should come Mike should be the dungeon master perhaps he could bring his his trap book he
0: knows what he's doing
1: he does Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> let us know, podcast at shiftrunstop.co.uk, let us know if you want to be involved, let us know if you want specific people to be there that we should ask.
0: We should have, we should just have a Shift Run Stop game night. Yeah. We talk, we talk a lot about having a Shift Run Stop barbecue and Shift Run Stop live, Shift Run Stop party, why don't we just have a DD and possibly other games, <laughs> or no games, or whatever.
1: Oh just... no, you've widened it too broadly too oh, oh.
0: here.
1: Bring in the constraints.
0: Okay, um, D&D for people who feel comfortable with that.
1: Or want to learn, like me. Want to learn, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think we should both do that, definitely. Yeah. Uh, What other games are slightly social but not too intimidating? We could just have some board games and things. We could have, like, Cluedo and Connect Four. That would be nice.
1: We could bring along some bring few board games. games. I'd be happy to bring some games we could along. Do that in
0: a pub, can not we, somewhere? Just sit upstairs in a pub somewhere I think there are night. pubs
1: that let you bring games. I think that's a done there thing, are, isn't it? You take a, take a backgammon a table have. or a Connect Four table. A
0: lot of pubs already have games, which is quite good. We, yeah, we need
1: to find a pub. Yes. Probably in London, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll we'll do some research and find a venue.
0: ask you about Playmakers as well because uh, I saw this being screened at the V&A the as they call it Hide and seek, or Sandpit one of those I can't remember which one it is um, it's put on by Holly Gramazio and Alex Fleetwood and uh, it's a just sort of a massive event of loads of live gaming things going on and lots of weird sort of ARG type games and then games involving video and games involving a giant pass the parcel and all kinds of stuff and it's like a big party and it's really popular. And one of the things they were doing was screening Ivo's Film Playmakers which was about these kind of games. So it's sort of a meta film going on at the same time as the event. <laughs> yeah, so how did how did that come about? Are you involved in the games world generally or did you just are you just interested in collaborative gaming things?
2: I suppose I'm interested in it from a point of view of the failure of our society or culture to provide those experiences without it Uh I think my perspective is that um, we always did have things like carnival we used to play in the street a lot more there was a Mm. lot more what anthropologists have called licensed deviance mm. so times in which you were able to test and play with the boundaries of our culture mm. and society times in which you know, i'll be able to uh, touch you or times in which i'll be able to dress up as a woman times in which we'll be able to mm. test our you know social class race uh, boundaries mm. um which wouldn't impact them on the rest of our lives. so there'd be these sort of blips that were very creative these spaces where everything could be um, experimented with, and I think those are dangerous, those are dangerous for all of the big structures that uh, that are in our lives, and so they've been sort of slowly ironed out, I think. Even the places where we think um, that, you know, we can go crazy, like clubs or things like that, are actually quite tightly regulated. I mean, the, 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 the number of ways in which you can approach someone or the number of reasons you might have to approach someone um, or the rules by which you must interact with people in those environments are pretty strict. Mm. And I suppose, I suppose that's why there are so many more festivals and things these days is trying to sort of reclaim mm. a bit of that. And it does, I think, play very much the, the same Role you can break the rules, some of the rules of your of, of your normal life. But anyway, I think I think that's what this resurgence in gaming is about. It's about a real opportunity to have a playful um, interaction mm-hmm. with a stranger, and those interactions I think are actually very powerful. The amount that the relationship that you can build with someone through play is very powerful. Uh, the way that you can get to trust someone, you can see very you know. Closely into their character in a way that you never could if we were just sitting here um, having a conversation. If you see someone compete, if you see someone play with their own identity in front of you at the same time as, as your relationship is also um, you know, uh, moving, it's, it's quite exciting, quite complex and quite, quite, quite fast. Now, there's all these people working from many different angles, computer games people making things that you move around with and you play with people in, your, in the same room. You've got theatre people like Punch Drunk saying, you know, uh, the, uh, the old idea of audience is completely wrong. We need to give them more role, more, more agency in this. Um, and then you've got the people coming from purely from, from uh, you know, games design saying, look, we don't need, you know, we don't necessarily need computers. We, we've got this world. We can, you know, uh, start to, to play just with each other in a different way. So you've got this exciting emergence of all these these different disciplines all looking really at the same thing. How can we um, play with each other? Mm -hmm. I think that's the other interesting shift. It's about going away from worlds that are virtual and focusing on real
0: relationships. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that the way that these... I don't want to single out these sandpit events as a particular offender for this, but it does seem that we're, we're more accepting of it within very tight boundaries so there'll be sort of you know there's this thing happening this weekend in this room don't do not do it anywhere else at any other time it's got to be here now you know it really made me think when you were talking about how sort of obedient we are as a society and I always think that about um, the internet now and we've got to the point where we We've played around with it a lot at the beginning and we made our own websites and we did whatever we wanted and took the piss out of each other's websites and stuff and then as the years have gone on we've conformed and conformed and now we won't even like tag a photo with someone who isn't in that photo and it just seems like an obvious opportunity for doing something funny or silly. Do you think that we're getting more conformist I suppose and do you worry? Do you see this on the internet as well?
2: Yeah I think it is It's whether these things are a sort of space where you stop your like, and then you can play and then you go back to your normal life and you, because you've sort of got all that out of your system mm-hmm. you go back to being more normal again. I sort of agree with that but I also think that these things stay with you. I think that once you've seen yourself behave in a certain way during a game you always know that's possible mm-hmm. and that, that um, oh, brings yeah. you to life a little bit more. Yeah. If you've played a game where you are a goblin and you are in front of 20 other people being a goblin um, you always know when you're back at work or whatever yeah. that, that you can be that <laughs> goblin if you want to. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's yeah. very liberating. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's why you know the word pervasive in this situation is very important because it is about doing that out in the world. Mm. It's not about disappearing into your computer and being a goblin. It's about being a goblin in front of 20 people. Um, but then also maybe you're running around on the streets like um, I was two weeks ago. Where we were being you know chased by twelve people who were you know, dressed more nuttily um, than we were around the south bank, mm-hmm. um, and you're starting to see the world in a completely different way, and you start not really uh, you, you start you, know, you don 't care as much about the way that people are looking at you mm-hmm. you don't care that you're sort of sneaking along uh, crawling behind a row of pot plants mm-hmm. in front of you know, members of the public.
3: It's snack time tonight, Matthew. We dine in hell. That's my um, that that's new, my new catchphrase. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Last week we had some of those weird, um, what were they called? dobles? the, uh, uh, yeah. the Spanish. Yeah, Vig- Virginia's Doblas. Mm. This week, going increasingly off in my bread bin, have been some uh, Cambrie products that I also found in Spain. I've never seen anywhere else mm-hmm. they've got a very peculiarly Spanish name but they look quite familiar uh-huh. Uh-huh. so I have here are you going to pronounce them well I'll try
3: I, I like the fact that, they, that they, it appears to be a kind of like equivalent of fronglate in the name <laughs> 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 they're called Cambri
1: Huesitos Balls <laughs> and uh, they look an awful lot like Maltesers too. oh Ooh. they're smaller than they Maltesers they are like
0: Maltesers, though they're, they're a
1: little bit nuttier though mm-hmm. they're crunchier crunchier mm-hmm. than they're a Malteser crunchier. crispier more biscuity yeah, nice. I like that. Hmm, they're quite nice. It's not a multi ball, it's is no, it? so. a biscuity ball, isn't it? does your does your knowledge of um No, I don't speak any Spanish.
3: Okay. I wouldn't have known uh, well I have no idea what what weiss- derivation of questitos weiss-
0: weiss- is. Mm.
3: I mean, maybe, it, maybe it's Spanish for small biscuit.
0: Would it be unfair to say that the packaging is possibly slightly inspired by Maltesers? Massively well? so. <laughs> Presumably, they couldn't <laughs> get away with this. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> it's,
3: it's it's a round it's a round product. What are you going to do? Not yeah. show it <laughs> in, a, in a bright red bag. Red
0: bag. The little kind of halos around the Maltesers. Mm. I, mean, I like
3: questitos balls. Whatever they're called. Mm. Anyway, well,
0: moving
3: on. What have what have what, mm. a, what have cafe's in this country. The Cadbury's cookies chunky. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I don't completely understand how you're supposed to read this. It might be the Cadbury's. We <laughs> <laughs> look at that. His yeah,
0: cookies plural. It's not a character called Cookie, and <laughs> he's chunky. But you'd
3: imagine yeah, it should be cookies called cookies Chunky Cookies, right Yeah. Than cookie's although chunkies. you see, chun-
0: Chunky is written in, in in big writing there. Now, oh, oh, look, look, at, look at the cookies. Uh, they look like boasters mm. and they They're in one of those kind of little plastic trays that is as deep as a biscuit. This is a very
1: luxury biscuit, isn't it? Mm. A dipped, it's a dipped cookie. Chocolate
0: topping. It's also got raisins in it or something. Is that the fruit? It's probably candied melon or something. (laughs) Cranberries. I put
3: a hole in my mouth there and therefore wasn't able to talk. (laughs) But actually, these aren't bad, are they? Mm. As far as I can establish, it's a direct attack on the McVitie's Boaster. Regular Biscuit fans will be we thinking, well, surely Burton's aren't going to take this lying down. <laughs> Burton still make Maryland cookies, which, you know, are often, often very reasonably priced. This isn't so much their response, but certainly it's, it's their uh, positioning in this market. This is the, the Maryland big and chunky cookie. It's, it's basically a big brown cookie. With bits of different colour chocolate in it, they've forgotten mm. to dip the base in chocolate though. Mm. If they're going to hit the
1: boaster and hit it hard, they're oh. going to have to dip their biscuit in chocolate, not just put lots of chocolate in it. It
0: is chunky though; it's a good solid um, shape and size. Mm. That's
1: really nice. Mm. I like marinade cookies, but they're a bit insubstantial. You can eat three of them at once, and it's mm-hmm. not really a problem. Whereas this is a good chunky
3: biscuit. This is a you know this is this is getting on for wagon wheel dimensions, and um, it's not bad, is it? It's got a kind of it's not as soft as the uh, as the Cadbury's cookie.
0: It's very more, it's much more chocolatey I think mm-hmm. The Cadbury's one is mm. more like a, a plain biscuit that's got a bit of chocolate in But this is chocolate all the way
3: It's got a really sort of I know this is a ridiculous thing to say about a biscuit It actually tastes like it's being baked It's like a kind of baked cookie mm. Better than
0: the Cadbury's one I think mm. Good, well done Maryland <laughs> Yummy, it's just got chunkier
1: I, I think you're right there That's what it
0: says <laughs> Oh,
1: you're reading that yeah. I thought you were just improvising I just say
0: stuff like that mm.
2: <laughs> I don't really like gyms um, and think they're a bit of a waste of energy and sort of human potential Right. Um, but so I was trying to think of more more useful things people could do instead of going to the gym that would also get them a bit fit um, so there's also this problem with um, isolation and um, loneliness amongst older people so 17% of people over the age of 65 only see one family or friend, um, once a week, um, and 10% only see someone once a month. Um, so what the good gym does is it connects people who d- might want to go to the gym, um, with elderly, immobile people in that area. Um, they run to their house, deliver them a newspaper or something nice, check they're okay, and then Aww. run home again. So the delivery is sort of a, a format for that conversation. So the bloke I run to, um, Called Terry, and I, I bring him the son once a week. And um, but we, you know, we also we have a bit of a chat. He tells me about his life. I um, will send him a Christmas card at Christmas. Yeah. You know, there, there are sort of other benefits right. to that relationship. Yeah. That other people cool. have um, baked people muffins, or they bring oh. around some milk or some tea. Um, visits to people when they have gone into hospital. We've been the only people who've gone and, and visited oh, people goodness. when they go to hospital. Um, so it's a way of trying to encourage more people into. Doing something a little bit good mm. in a sustainable way.
0: And you have to run, or can you walk? Um, you you <laughs> can. <does> anyone
2: check? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can You can Drive. walk or cycle. <laughs> like. Dra- driving is um, discouraged, but, um, uh, but yeah, you can cycle or.
0: Is there a website for this that we can
2: um, go? Yeah, get? Thegoodgym.org. Does it incorporate weightlifting elements? Can I go to somebody's <laughs> house and then pick <laughs> them Lifted up? Exactly. Well, that, that was my original idea: was to have a sort of database of all the people who wanted to, you know, exercise their arms or their thighs or something, and then we'd have also a database of all the, you know, yeah. good tasks that needed doing that were in any way physical. So, yeah, so you could run to the top of a block of flats and then sort of, you know stack some shelves or take <laughs> someone to shopping. That's or, you know. Um But then, I've, yeah, in the end, focused it down to this. Um, also. so it's running in um, Tower Hamlets at the moment only, and we're sort of building the, the case from there but okay. hopefully it will be a, a, a movement that sweeps the world there's also a sort of game-like element I want to bring to that in this sort of idea of friendly competition so we'll mm-hmm. encourage uh, people's sense of smugness um, <laughs> when they're running along you know, by giving them the t-shirts by telling all their Facebook friends etc you know, Rue
1: has done uh, Twenty miles this week, mm-hmm. isn't he brilliant? brilliant? Is there something about keeping score that just feels very natural in in all of this as well? Like you know, wanting to keep a track of how many points you've earned or how many miles you've run that week. Uh, uh, it seems um, just this week, actually, or just a couple of weeks ago, because we're talking in the past, um, that there was us a, a new iPhone app called Epic Win. Uh, which seems very much like Wars, but with a very nice polish on it. And you know, have you come across this? Is this? No, that sounds
2: quite handy. Yeah. Um, because that's something that I would like to do is a, is an iPhone app for this purpose. Because <laughs> it would also be able. To, it would be great to have the location um, of the runners, so we know that they've been to the location. It could also incorporate other sort of tools that we we want people to be able to check for um, risk of falls, so the runners will be um, doing simple things like changing light bulbs, because that's sometimes a cause of falls mm-hmm. checking for trip hazards um, etc. So something that would remind the runner to do that also would help us check that they're still doing it so we're actually reporting back on people's health to the um,
1: council and social services. Sure, it becomes a little checklist of things that you yeah. can do when you get there and yeah. each of which accrues points, but I, I guess I wanted to... Extra of,
0: points for a fall Yeah, <laughs> or, or avoiding they break a limb. <laughs> no Sorry, picking
1: them up the afterwards. So um, the way uh, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you. Um, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on that kind of um, scorekeeping mechanism. Why it seems such a powerful tool for encouraging certain behaviours or preventing others. It sounds like you're very much of that same mindset. And I think of it as like a you know, kind of Jane Jane McGonagall. Um, you know, play can be an influence for good, which is entirely what the, the Good Gym Project is, is exhibiting. What are the kind of driving factors that make people want to take part? Is it just that there's an innate goodness in us and we just need an excuse? I don't know. It's a funny thing, isn't it, trying to combine
2: um, people's, you know, people just wanting to do good with their... Um, you know, wanting to do better than everyone else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it seems it is slightly conflicting. I mean, I, I think um, it's different for every person and I think we want to be able to design um, a good gym for all of those different personality types so if it is just for people who quietly want to do something nice for someone else and we can help them do that then great and they can sort of get on with it. if it's someone who is really you know I want to be better than everyone else, and,
0: what else? I want to be top of the leaderboard kind of yeah, thing it's, yeah, it's being better than people who are like you I think as well, you don't want to be better than people who are really disadvantaged or really old or something, it's, it's easy to beat someone who's much worse than you it's much more difficult to be the best among people who are very similar
3: I've also seen these reduced in 99p stores, including, perhaps listeners will be able to like Twitter us or something, if they they have their own observations to back this up. In Bletchley Park, the, the 99p store has a fruit machine on the checkout and as you
0: scan yeah, the 99p store in Bletchley Park no no, You're in, dreaming. In, in,
3: it, no in Bletchley in, oh, in the, like, um, and I wasn't sure if they'd done it because there's a very sort of like high tech community around there but they're like so there's a 99p store and there's a fruit machine and as you put items through the scanner and it sort of rolls the reels of the fruit machine and it shows you, I don't know, three packets of biscuits. When you get to the end of your shopping, the fruit machine can flash up win and you win all of your shopping. What? It was the most bizarre sort of like combination of <laughs> groceries <laughs> and gambling <laughs> that I'd ever seen. And, like, and the couple in front of me would, were just buying that and, and, and then it, all the, the lights ring and the, the checkout, and the checkout guy went, oh, that means you've won all your shopping. And they were going, oh, that's nice. What nice. was it that we did? And he goes,
1: no idea I was just putting them through the machine Mm -hmm.
3: so so is this even legal I I don't know (laughs) is it the future will we we all be in Tesco just sort of going okay well actually I think I'll gamble I'll gamble for an extra portion of apples I'll twist yeah, I'll use my nectar card. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 do a, I'll do a nudge and see if I can if I can change that. And then finally, in fact, well, you know, let's not let's not do all the biscuits. Blue ribbons,
0: um, sorry.
3: We've oh, got a amazing. new blue ribbon, <laughs> blue ribbon, dark. Wow. Oh, or a McVitie's medley. Oh, you can't give us a choice. Surely. Right, well,
0: let's try the McVitie's. I, I don't have an idea what it tastes like. Yeah, it's like your <laughs> wafer
1: with dark chocolate <laughs> on it. Let's well, have, let's you have know, a medley. So, what, so what you've got
3: here.
0: Second thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> <like a> <laughs> I mean, it's um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this looks like um, a, a harvest bowl or something that's that's got a, a medley written in cheerful writing on the front. Well, uh,
3: how are McVitie's going to respond to this 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 attack on their boasters by turning hobnobs, a much loved brand, and uh, and McVitie's digestives into cereal bars? Mm. Absolutely bonkers. Um, I like and can't sit that think... in its feet,
0: can you? Or can you? you? Oh, no. uh, digestive and it looks a digestive cereal like, bar It looks like one of those um, sort of health food cereal bars you get which has like a slice of melted chocolate on the bottom
1: But presumably much less healthy than any health food cereal mm. bar <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like.
0: make, make
3: it's hoping of <laughs> So this is uh, huh? digestive biscuit, nuts and chocolate And
0: mm. stuck together with something sweet mm. I think
3: it's, a, it's a glucose syrup It tastes a bit like it might be <laughs> so
0: it's
3: probably It's probably glucose syrup it's a bit like a kind of um, quite a
1: dense flapjack mm-hmm.
0: yeah not bad if you mean like digestives but wish they were sweeter and stickier and in a wrapper and had more <laughs> had more peanut stuff and longer I'm yeah. oh, sorry
3: it's not peanuts it's hazelnuts but I mean, we can try the hobnob one, well, one as well, but it's pretty much the same, to be honest. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Slightly different flavour. I'm not a hobnob scientist. Yeah, the nearest we've
0: got. <laughs> Summer isn't
3: a, 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 a great time for biscuits, but maybe they're trying these out. Maybe, like, um, maybe, maybe by the time autumn and winter comes around, some a definite victor will have emerged.
0: Uh-huh. Maybe someone will surrender. <laughs> this war. Can it imagine. It's any more absurd.
3: Thanks, Dave. See you next week.
0: I'll see you next time. Mm. Cheers.
2: Cheers. I think you can say, okay, people are going to be do it playing games. How can we use that? How can we make those, those fun experiences of people having slightly... Useful in the same t- way I'm taking sort of you know competitive exercise to extent, or just people wanting to be fitter than they are, or fitter than their next door mm-hmm. neighbour, whatever, and saying okay, how can we sort of tweak that behaviour slightly uh, in order to make something uh, good happen? I was reading about the history of uh, shaving, and um, it was in the 1920s, I think, only that Gillette, who were not selling enough razor blades. Got the front cover of Harper's and Queen, and put put this picture of a woman with uh, shaved armpits on it, which was you know not done at that time, mm-hmm. um, in order to create a completely new market, in order to sell uh, more razor blades. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what, what it says is that yeah, you you can completely change the the. People, the, the pattern of people's everyday lives um, and if that was done in order to achieve you know, small bits of social good rather than selling more razor blades you could do quite
1: a lot It reminds me of Clay Shirky with his one Wikipedia every weekend which by the way, Clay if you're listening you've been using the same stats for about three or four years now, you need to update them because well,
0: What are you talking about here, Rue? I don't know about this Wikipedia thing What's So Clay Shirky it's says every weekend. every
1: weekend in the US enough time is spent watching adverts on television uh, that if you took all of that time mm. and had all those people, instead of watching adverts, creating uh, web pages, right. you would have the same amount of um, time that's gone into Wikipedia cumulatively so far to Whoa. date. It was like 100 million hours, I think and this is you know he's been saying this since 2007 so obviously there's an awful lot more time has gone into wikipedia (laughs) since and he does need to update his numbers but it's a fascinating and and the other i guess the other big caveat would be that it's a very different sort of activity. Watching adverts, mm, I'm generally I making a cup of tea or mm. you know standing up and getting a, a packet of biscuits. I'm not actually watching the adverts and actively thinking, "Oh, I'm going to write this information down." <laughs> it's a very different <laughs> sort of activity. Yeah. But the they time, really you know, the time it. argument is, is well made. There's an awful lot of time spent watching telly. We do waste
0: our time. Yeah, mm. yeah. And
1: so you know, Clay is pointing out Wikipedia is this amazing you know feat of humour endeavour, really mm. complicated, and yet it's a tiny fraction of the time that we as a species have to. Um, and you know he calls this, this idea of cognitive surplus, and he's been lecturing around the country at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds like there's a big overlap between kind of his his thinking and, and the idea that you know there's all this energy untapped, and wow, wouldn't it be cool if we did something something good with it? Uh, are you? Um, I love Cleverley. Exactly. He's great, isn't he? Uh, yeah, so he's
0: isn't a, bald a, isn't <laughs> a bald man. Isn't there a thing that people? I love bald men. People just people want to just play. People don't necessarily want to be writing. Uh, Academically correct Wikipedia pages for a massive global global encyclopedia with all their spare time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes people do just want to go and pretend to play Scrabble, and it's that sort of part of your brain that just wants to move things around and play like word Tetris.
2: Just that's why I think it's is tweaks, isn't it? It's about trying to. Um, that's why uh, I think the good gym thing works is because it's changing your behavior only in a very slight way you're probably going to be doing the run anyway we're, yeah. to, we're, we're instead of we're just sort of removing the running machine and yeah. put letting someone run off to, a, to an old person or you know making it easy for them to do that yeah. instead of the running so they're still achieving the same thing yeah. so maybe you could you know uh, if you were trying to get I think I think that's sort of the way to think about it what are people doing anyway that might yeah. be similar and I think what Clay Shirky also says very well, there you know many more drivers for human behavior other than just money, um, and that seems to be the dominant way that that was done in the in the, in the 20th century. So let's recognise all those all those other things that people respond to, like you know re- respect, recognition, etc. Quite a lot of those things are what you get a lot of in games. Um, so yeah, let's let's help people feel good about the things that they've done Mm. let's help people um show off let's get you know recognized formats for uh showing off that don't make it look like
1: you're showing off (laughs) too much
0: i'll
1: tell you what i've done Mm. i've installed angry birds Uh. on my ipad
0: oh and
1: that's my weekend gone
0: and how's it going? Are you enjoying angry birds? I know. Do you like know the noises they make? They are quite angry.
1: I know, I, I mute it. It's too annoying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, the noise is the best bit. Oh. You just play it in silence, just like pe- pulling back that yep. sling and <laughs> letting it go. I have to
1: play it in silence. Uh, I'm completely hooked, and yeah. I can see why people get annoyed at how addictive it is. Because, mm. you know, you finish a level and you think, brilliant, really? I'm going to do the next level. Mm. And if you can't do the level, you have to do it, and you have to keep doing it until, yeah. it's, until it's completed. Yeah, I I think I'm on about world seven now. How many mm, are there all together? Eight or don't nine? Know. Yeah, it's quite a big game. It's so a lot it's of quite it. Quite a few. And for three quid or whatever it was, bargain. Not bad. Yeah, so I'm I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to Harbor Master, Veggie Samurai, which is a bit like Fruit Ninja. Uh, so it throws <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: doesn't help. It's no. like vegetable karate man.
1: Herb judo. It, um, it throws vegetables in the air in front <laughs> yeah. of you and you have to slice them apart with your samurai sword
0: uh,
1: Yeah, a similar game exists with like fruit
0: the beginning of Dogtanion yes <laughs> right I've always wanted to do that I like, I'm glad that someone made a game based on yeah. The beginning of Dog Tanya.
1: Based on the physics and aesthetics of cutting fruit mm. and vegetables which are floating in the air in front of you. It's really nice actually. What
0: do you feel do you do you think this is helping you to learn how to actually do that? Like I mean mm. with a driving game, sometimes you can sort of learn a bit about how to drive from a driving game. Can you learn how to actually use a samurai sword and, f- sword and fruit from the sword fruit game. I think,
1: I think it does help with that. I yeah. think the next time somebody throws in slow motion an onion in front of me, or, better example, an aubergine. Mm. Aubergines are tricky little bastards because they're a bit thinner yes. than the onions, and they're not... Um, symmetrical, they're so they're slightly thinner. Uh, they're slightly long and thin. Eggplant. Eggplant looks a bit like an egg, mm. so you have to slice it and to, to get the dice uh, chain because you can you can dice the vegetables dice. by cutting them in both directions. Yeah, difficult choice. Do you slice horizontally or vertically? Uh-huh. And then once you've got that, then you've got to get it the other way. Yeah, quite quickly as well. So I I actually think I'm a, now pretty much a trained chef.
0: <laughs> See you next week.
1: Ivo Gormley, thank you for uh, joining us and, and telling us about your amazing projects. Uh, really I think the good gym sounds like something that I want I want to take part in now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thanks for having me. In-
0: Bye. Come shake your tail at
2: me.
3: That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk. I'm
1: in